When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate. And he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today. But what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the unnamed Red Sox podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, I just want to say thanks because uh, you know uh, I often compare the the old Section Ten experience to like if you watch The Walking Dead, they would have Talking Dead. And then if they had Breaking Bad, what was that after show called? I feel like Talking Bad. Uh, they would have shows like that. So that's essentially what this podcast is. It's like, oh, you're watching your favorite show. And it's like, oh, I, I didn't get enough of it. Now I need to hear like talk about it. So the fact that you want to hear anything at all about this fucking team. Thank you. We appreciate it here. Uh, I know Jake does. Tyler does. Pete does. Pat just landed in Louisville. What the fuck is that? That's Kentucky, huh? Is that's it? Where they, yeah, that's famously where, where they hold the Kentucky Derby. Sometimes, sometimes, yes. Yeah. This year, it's there. Um, so I, I noticed. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but we've been taking some criticism on this show. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to introduce this new topic: uh, the criticism that we've been getting, uh, because there's a there's a former member of this show that broke off, and he's doing his own uh, podcast now, and uh, I, I haven't listened, admittedly, and it's not it's not that I don't want to listen. I just don't have time to listen to other podcasts. But I guess this podcast is not really critical of the Red Sox. Who? That other podcast. cares. Nobody cares. And then this <laughs> podcast apparently is is taking the same scrutiny that we're not that. You know, trust me, I miss Coley Mick as well. Coley would just fire off and, and say negative things all the time about uh, whatever he felt strongly about, whereas. People are people are saying that I'm trying to protect relationships. Therefore, I won't say anything bad. That's off the table. 
because uh, one of those personal relationships, I'm pretty pretty tight with Matt Barnes. And I feel like no one was harder on Matt Barnes after that loss on, what was that, Wednesday night? Wednesday night, then Matt Barnes. He said, I got to get my shit together. He said, I've been ass. I, I've sucked. He was hard on himself. So that kind of opens up the door for us to kind of agree. If if that's the case, then we'll agree. So this this opening segment, I'm just going to throw some names out there. I'm going to kick it around. We're going to get Jake involved as well. Jake is probably the I don't want to say unsung hero of of the podcast, but he's like the if he's like the Eddie House of this. He's like the James Posey of this of this roster where what how many players are there fit so he's it's the 6 man award. Right? Yes. That, okay. For, for talking basketball, correct. Yep. Yeah, talking ball, talking shooty hoops. Um I'm just going to throw a name out there. We're going to say something bad about that person. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is going to be a negative podcast. Let's get negative, baby. This is what the people want. Let's let's talk some shit about people. <clears throat> All right. I'll start. I'll start. Uh, <laughs> Trevor Story. Trevor Story went uh, 0 for 4 today. Golden Sobrero. With four strikeouts against Shohei Otani. And uh, Otani actually came one strikeout shy of his career high. He was nasty today. Uh, at one point, it was in the first or it was, it was early in the, in the game. Devers struck out on an 0-2 splitter that he reached base on because it was so nasty that uh, I believe it was Max Stassi back there couldn't corral it. So he reached base on a strikeout. Otani was nasty today. But 0-4, Trevor Story, uh, it's, it, has not, it has not gone well for Trevor Story to start the year. He's hitting 210 with a 590 OPS. 590. 90. Um, I know that a lot has been made about the the course field and this and that and his UCL, his elbow and all this and everything. Trevor Story got booed today at Fenway Park. Multiple times. Were you part of that, Pete? I was not. Why? Uh, You're not negative enough. I I, I just don't. I don't boo the home guys unless like it's real egregious. And I know 0 for 4 with 4 strikeouts is pretty egregious. That's pretty egregious, but like he's He's having a tough time. What do you mean? He has I just think, like, call him out. Yeah, but it's I you don't have need to be to, critical. Come on. They were be already critical. they were already giving it to him. I'll give it to him now. Uh, don't strike out so much, you bitch. You little oh, bitch. Oh, okay. All right, Jake. What do you have to say about Trevor? Hit a home Sorry. run one time. Yeah, hit for a fucking me. home run. Yeah, yeah, he could hit a home run. Um, he just hasn't been as good as he's supposed to be. Really, mm-hmm. I agree. Like, all this was made about him coming to Fenway and how it's such a good ballpark for him to like be an elite hitter and just haven't seen any of it really. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Tyler, what are you going to say about Trevor's story? I know you're fucking probably real mad. Oh, my God. Yeah, let me take the Red Sox Bobo hat off for a second. Mm. Um, no, Trevor's story. Let's be real. The home runs. I'm sick of them hitting the, hitting the wall. How many times are we going to get excited? You know, some of it's on the Ness and camera guys who, you know, if we're going to throw some shade here, let me throw some shade to them. Please focus on where the fucking ball is just for a second. Mm. One time. That's all I'm asking you. Yeah. Trevor Story as a whole. He's supposed to be the spark plug. If you're talking about a bat that was supposed to come and fill the hole of Hunter Renfro, he hasn't done that. He hasn't come close to that. Every single game, it feels like we get a different version of him lately. Uh, you know, yesterday or going back to Wednesday. Spirits are high. We feel great. Couple doubles, key doubles. Today, those at bats were uncompetitive. He's consistently just getting beat by velocity. Uh, it's uninspiring. And I, I think people, listen, he got all of April. We gave it to him. We get it. Uh, it's May now. The flip or the switch needs to kind of flip here. It feels like it hasn't yet. And 
for a guy who, when the offense has got going these few times this year, he's been in the middle of it. When it's going bad, he looks as worse as anyone on the team. Mm. Mm. Uh, so we just oh. mentioned Matt Barnes. What? Yeah, also. And it's been a little bit better lately. Some of the double clutches at second base, you know, killing some of those double plays in different moments about a week back as well. A little annoying. He's learning a new position. I don't want to kill him too much, but a little bit of that. Let's see the defense. The defensive metrics haven't pointed to him being that great at second base yet. We're expecting a gold glove second baseman. Let's get there. Yeah. Also, there there was a play later in the game where uh, I know like some trolls on Twitter were trying to to attribute it to uh, an elbow injury. Oh, my God. And it was like uh, the runner was going second to third or maybe they were going first to third Uh, ball hit to center field. And Story was the cutoff man. And as he pivoted towards the infield, he had like a w- awkward, weak throw to third base. Off balance. He, yeah, like, he was off balance and I believe was not expecting the runner to be going there. So I think it was just he was caught off guard versus like, oh, it, it was a weak throw because of his elbow. L- let me tell you, for whatever you want to say about the Red Sox, his team is cheap, all that. They looked at Trevor Story's medicals. If you go back to last year, he said his elbow felt fine by the end of the season. The Red Sox, the whole Mookie Betts deal. Do you not remember what happened when Bruce Dargraderall? Mm-hmm. That deal almost fell apart simply because of him. And obviously it changed out with Jeter Downs and everything that happened. You think they're going to pay this kind of money to Trevor Story if that elbow wasn't in the right spot? If it was an elbow problem that was consistently there, you would have seen it for some time now throughout the year. He had that one ugly throw we remember down in Tampa Bay uh, that everyone was kind of talking about. But trust me, if you're going to complain about something, complain about what he's doing at the plate because he's just he's not giving you anything there right now, really. You know what's weird about Bruzar Gratterall? So I was just looking at his numbers here because I was curious. Uh, since that deal almost fell apart because of Gratterall going from Minnesota, he's supposed to be going to Boston and the deal almost fell apart there. This dude throws like 101 miles an hour with movement and it's the easiest triple digits you've ever seen from any pitcher, not just a relief pitcher. You would think that he'd be virtually unhittable. He's been respectable. 65 innings over 67 appearances over three seasons with the Dodgers. A 388 ERA. Pretty good. Uh, A 122 whip. Um, But only 49 strikeouts in 65 innings. Like, if you told me, if if you watched Bruzdar Gratterall pitch on Pitching Ninja, and you said, all right, over his last 65 innings, how many, po- how many punch outs? I'd be like, high 80s, low 90s, maybe. The fact that he has fewer strikeouts than innings pitch is very, very strange to me. No, and the way the Dodgers utilize him, there's a reason, you know, he hasn't rose to the top of that pecking order over this time. And when they were talking for Gratterall in the first place, there was hope that he was still going to develop into a starter. We're talking about a guy in a relief role now. Velocity is great, but if you don't miss bats, you don't miss bats. No, I'm telling you, if you think they were willing to blow that deal up with Mookie Betts, that basically changed the direction of the franchise so they could reboot. But they were willing to pay Trevor Story when they've been, quote unquote, cheap. Mm-hmm. Get a better narrative. It sucks and it blows. And Red Sox Twitter can't stop playing with it. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't looked at my mentions since uh, the Red Sox entered the ninth inning, winning 4-3 on, on Wednesday night. So uh, maybe we'll just make this segment uh, ongoing for the whole show. Like, let's talk about the series and then we can just be like, all right, now it's your turn to to have some negativity thrown your way. Uh, I was there last night. I was there for the middle game. Red Sox win the first game of the series. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Like it's the tides turning. The Red Sox are back home. The sun is shining in Boston. It's got a different feel to it. The players are talking about how 
we just need to get home. Now, we've been on the road to start the year for the whole time. We've been living out of our suitcases. Let's just get back home and see, see what's up. And granted, you know, your first assignment was to take on the Angels, who are playing really good baseball to start the year. This is not a slouch team. Uh, their starters have been really good. Um, you know, that home run that fucking Devers hit off a of center guard was holy shit off the back wall. You don't see many go up there. Um, so I thought I thought for sure that it just had a different feel after that first game. You know, you got Devers hitting the shit out of the ball. And you got to win. You beat a good starting pitcher. Noah Syndergaard. He's not the same guy. He's not throwing high 90s anymore. He's got to be more creative. He's, you know, mixing in the, the slider and um, the off-speed shit. He's not as uh, heavily dependent on his fastball anymore. But... It was a good win. It was a good win. They didn't steal a win. It was it was a convincing, hey, the Red Sox are here and, and, and it feels like a different vibe. Then you have the middle game where you're winning this baseball game. By the way, uh, that home run that Xander Bogarts hit was a fucking moon bomb. Pay him. Pay him right now. Moon bomb. And, and that game in itself, like obviously we're going to focus on the ninth inning here where things kind of fell apart. But you have a 2 nothing lead. Garrett Whitlock is throwing a perfect game, which we all know. I mean, like, you know, you, you get these people that the, the casual baseball fans, you see perfect through four or five and like, do you think he's going to go the whole? No, we know he's not going to go the whole fucking way. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I, people that were talking about the perfect game in the fourth or the fifth thing, like, I don't give a fuck if he has a perfect game. Like, we know he's not going to finish it. Like, definitively, we know that. Um, so I don't care. But then you give up the homer to, was that Stassi? Yeah. Max Stassi hits the two-run bomb to make it two to two, and you're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> like, you know, first you lose the perfect game, then you lose the lead. Now it's two-two, and I don't think his like confidence ever wavered. But he he went from like a slow ticking velocity where he was going like 97 to where it wasn't so much the the drop off in velocity as it was now he's kind of leaking over the middle. Like that's when you kind of get concerned. It's not the pitch count. It's not like a, a, a an uptick or a downtick in velocity. It's okay. Like he's pitches that he was painting in the first two to you know first four innings. Now they're kind of leaking middle, and and that that Angels lineup can swing it. So yeah, you fucking you pay for it there. And then uh, Taylor Ward, like that dude. I would say respectfully average major leaguer, hit major league hitter. He's having an outstanding start to the season. And that dude fucks you too. So, oh man, it, it, the fact that you needed three, was it three relievers to get out of the ninth inning? More? You had Robles, Diekman, and then... Is there someone who came in after that? No, Deakman ended up getting out of it. They ended up just having him finish the inning, and then you. Deakman had... got out of that. Did he get out of it? I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh man, I I I could have sworn that Deakman did not finish that inning. Because we had Barnes and Sawamura the following inning when shit really hit the fan. Uh... We didn't see Cutter in that game. Davis had already pitched. Yeah, I guess Deakman did finish because, yeah, he pitched uh, a third of an inning and there was two outs. Which, listen, leave him. Uh, I'm happy they left him out there. Uh, I'm telling you, you want to talk about what an arsonist, a pitcher who will truly go out there and cause a problem. 
I don't want to ever see Jake Diekman come in again unless there's nobody on base. That at bat against Jared Walsh, I swear, he hung three or four sliders. Like, by the time that ball went into right field, I didn't feel anything. I didn't even feel sad about it. How many times are you going to hang that garbage slider again and again and again? And listen, I'm not telling you Jake Diekman's a garbage pitcher, but when you walk over five per nine and you expect him to come into a situation like that where Robles has already walked two guys, put him on in Trout and Otani, you're asking for hell to break loose. And should he be in that spot? No. So let me throw some trash on Heim Bloom while I'm sitting here as well. Because, uh, you know, Bluminati fanboy. Ha ha ha. I see mm-hmm. Heim. I see Heim. You all tweeted at me. I get mm-hmm. it. God damn, we've been talking about it. And people want to go and say we don't hold the Red Sox accountable. How long have we been crapping on them being at least one arm short, if not more? Talking you can about say shit. Yeah. Thank you. Shit. Talking <laughs> about Erod and all this different stuff. Like, oh my God, it's crazy. We've hit on this again and again. And if you want to blame anyone, Diekman, you need to be better. Robles should not be pitching in that ninth inning. Whoa. J- no, I like Hansel Robles. I do. Is he a closer? No, he's not. Not in every day. Can he go out there and give you something in a big moment where you need it? Sure. You're not. He's not supposed to be out there for you every save opportunity. You know what's weird to me is that uh, I had a tweet drafted. And I deleted it because I thought I was going to get like bullied by the nerds, even though it's it's a true statement. Uh, when when Diekman and I mean, Robles walked Shohei and Trout, right? Right. Yep. That's, he had two outs and he walked both of those guys, which is fine. Like if you get the at that point, it was there was only one out when he walked both of them. Right. Uh, was it was it just one? Yeah, because I, I thought I, he didn't he get the fly out to left field. Uh, let me double check. Um, let's see. What do we got? In the ninth inning, we have uh, Taylor Ward struck out. Yep. Mike Trout walked. Shohei Otani walked. So there's one out. And then Rendon flew out. That was the second out. And then they brought in Diekman. So, and again, like the whole thing is like I saw the whole like, oh well Jake Diekman's not a closer like he shouldn't be in this situation it's like all right but it's it's lefty lefty it's it's Jake Diekman versus Jared Walsh I, and I think Cora defended the decision after the game and I agreed with him you know who else you you would already use Strom yeah so based like on, based on the pieces you have that that's where you were it, right. it's more you shouldn't be in that situation where those are the guys you're leaning on in the ninth. And right. that's where I'm getting concerned again and again. Yeah, at that point, listen, Diekman versus Walsh, lefty, lefty. What do you have what in the bullpen that's better that? than that? You yeah, want to go like Robles I... again, who, listen, I like Robles. He's been getting hit hard lately. It's been clear. I think he's going to be fine. I still think, you know, he's a lot better than a lot of people want to give him credit for. But out of options you had, you just didn't have any. And that's right. the problem. Like, what, only... Where else were you going to go there? Uh... No, nowhere. You only have so many bullets. Like you want Cutter Crawford and his fucking north of ten ERA and his north of fucking his two and a half whip. You want yeah. that out there? You have Brandon Marsh taking him to Jupiter just for the fun of it today. Yeah. Um Salamora, you saw him anyway. He fucking stunk. And uh, you, you burned Brazier the night Austin before Davis, right? Yeah, you you were at that spot, and Davis, he, you know, he also gave up a blast, which was part of it. I think he's looked better overall lately, but sure. I think that's where you could throw some more criticism to Alex Cora. I think at times he's overmanaged this year, and I'm as big of an Alex Cora fanboy as you're going to find. But I liked what I saw with them letting Hill go an extra inning today. I think in his previous starts, there's been a conversation you could have that he could have at least gone another inning. 
I think you could have said the same thing for Michael Waka. You could say it for Nate Evaldi at times. Your bullpen's already short. Listen, the biggest criticism I had of the Red Sox, at least in the middle of the year was last year or towards the end, you killed your bullpen. You mm. might have killed Matt Barnes forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, I hate to say it, you don't lose six miles per hour on a fastball overnight. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a guy who just can't find it. Mentally, he looks worn. And there's not too many guys who get to this point and find it again. You're burning the same hole through this bullpen, and it's thinner than it was a year ago. Right. There's no one coming to to save you there um, unless you trade for someone or whatever. But um, to finish that thought, I got sidetracked uh, about the tweet. I was going to say something about like, like this is kind of what happens when you don't have a traditional closer. And I feel like I feel like you might get like nerd shamed for saying something like that. Like the nerds, hundred percent. Like, oh, like closers are a dime a dozen. You don't need a closer to win a World Series. And, you know, it's kind of like it should be a mix of, of arms just because like every bullpen now has dudes in it that are blowing 96 plus. Yeah, like, I don't like, buy that. Yeah, like, especially in a market like this. Yeah, I just like, you need a dude that can fucking shut that. Like it is different, and I I see what the like you know you can throw whatever case about numbers that you yeah. want, but the ninth inning is different, and I get like the whole bullpen ace thing that we've seen like the different usage of of uh, a premier arm in your bullpen, and it's like well what if what if we have two three four uh, coming up in in the seventh inning. And there's there's you know two guys on. It's a one run game. That's when you bring in your your bullpen ace because you want to get two, three, four. There's nobody out. There's two guys on. It's a one run game. This is the most pivotal part of the game. Okay, all right. Like I get that, but that's still not to say that the ninth inning is a different beast. I don't care what part of the lineup is coming up if it's a one run game. Uh, I mean, especially with like some of the guys that fucking. Uh, the Angels had coming up there. I mean, like Max Stassi, not known for being like a prolific backstop that that can hit, but you know he fucking hits a two run bomb off a of Garrett Whitlock who is in God mode. He struck out nine batters in five innings. Like he struck out five of the first six outs that were strikeouts. So yeah, I don't know. I just I wanted to say that, but I just felt like it, it almost. I was like, Coward. you know, t- ten years ago this was an indisputable take like yeah. no shit dude they need a closer yeah they don't have a closer but now it's like uh, closer like, i oh. mean i just think that like there has to be some middle ground in between the stat guys and like the traditionalists and i, it, I that, that applies to like every area of, of life like i hate the extremists it's like you know I, I i want the stats i want the information but i'm not gonna make every decision or every roster decision based off of fucking like exit velocity or analytics and shit. I do think that there is an element of intangibles that always goes into sports and pitching in the ninth inning of a baseball game. There is a certain mentality that you need to have as a pitcher to have success in the late innings. And some guys just don't fucking have that. And some guys thrive in those situations. And we've seen it like we've seen guys who are just beasts in the ninth inning where, you know, maybe you take them outside of that role and they're not quite as good. But once the stakes are super high, that's where they belong. And I just think I am always going to believe that you should have a closer or have at least a couple guys that you like closer by committee, like a couple guys that you know can do it in the ninth because it is a different ball game when you get that late. Look at Craig Kimbrell, definition of a guy who 
Ninth inning, we saw when he was in the ninth inning here. You know, some crazier moments, but, you know, he's one of the best closers. You just look at the resume as a whole that the sport has ever seen. Uh, but you put him in another spot last year. He moves into the eighth inning. He wasn't the same guy once he got to the White Sox. But I tell you, what is the model the Red Sox try to create? You want to be like the Dodgers. You want to be like Andrew Friedman. Bloom, you want to be like your big brother, right? We get it. Da, 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 da. What did the Dodgers always have in the back of that bullpen? Kenley Jansen all these years. Obviously a different situation this year Him moving on. But as we saw that Dodgers team continue to make these runs again and again, they always had that arm in the back they could lean on. I like mm-hmm. Hansel Robles. I do. I, I have a lot of respect for him. He shouldn't be out there in the ninth inning consistently. It shouldn't be Jake Diekman coming in trying to get you out of a mess. No. It's just, it, it's not a good place to be. And you have an option in Garrett Whitlock. And like you said, Jared, just to have that guy who can go against the middle of the lineup, even in the seventh or eighth, you don't even have that right now. Mm-mm. That's the problem. If you had one of those guys, it completely changes it. And you can say maybe they should have done that with Hulk over the last couple of days instead of piggybacking him. It's a conversation to be had. But sure. you don't have anything close to that right now. Can I yeah. be negative real quick? Please. Uh, Cutter Crawford fucking sucks. <laughs> fucking sucks. I'm insulted that people kept trying to compare him to Garrett Whitlock. Mm. I, I liked Cutter Crawford. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, this could be a middle relief guy that gives you bulk innings. I hope you people realize now what's the difference there and how hard it is to bring up, you know, whether you're depending on Josh Winkowski or, you know, whoever down in AAA, maybe Brian Mato once he comes back from TJ, Connor Siebold. That transition's real hard when your stuff isn't that special. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, Matt Strom has appeared in 11 games for the Red Sox this year. Uh, nine of them scoreless. And he's punched out. I mean, the strike, it's not dominant strikeout stuff, but not a ton of traffic, really. Uh, the FIP is, would suggest that he's gotten a little bit unlucky. Um, there's he got been killed a, a on that Twitter, Dalvik play. Yeah. There's, there's been a Twitter groundswell for, um, for him to get maybe a look in the in the closer spot. But I don't know. I just feel like the day that, that Craig Kimbrell walked out that door was the day that the Red Sox as an organization decided, we don't need no closer. We don't need one. We just don't need one. And that's not true, actually. It's actually a, a wildly false. The Red Sox do need a closer. Um, think about how many games, like what are they? They're 10 and 16? Correct. 10 and 16. They're, they started off. It's almost bizarre world 2021. They started off 17 and 10 last year. It was what we said on section 10. Uh, we said that uh, if the Red Sox start off 17 and 10, that they're going to be a playoff team. And then you know what? They fucking got to 17 and 10. And they were a playoff team. This year's team is uh, one loss away against the White Sox on Friday night from starting the season 10 and 17 which would be ironic. And if they were to do that, I'm just kind of thinking back on, you know, the walk-off losses to every team in the division. Uh, Wednesday night, 
against the Angels, where you have a one-run lead with... Did they have two outs? Yeah, two. they were down to the last strike. <laughs> like, you, you needed one strike. One. Mm. They needed one strike to win that baseball game, and they, they uh, at one point after that, it was a 4-3 ball game. At one point, it got to 10-4. to four. Think about that. Think about that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. And I, I think it's, it's not exactly an easy problem to solve at this point. You know, like it's not something where you can, like, let me ask you. If the Red Sox go out and get one dominant back end of the bullpen arm, does that solve their problems? I think they'd be in much better shape. I agree. I, it does, it is your bullpen going to be elite? No. But, but it's not like adding, let's say they add a legit closer to this to this bullpen. Uh, had they had that guy, let's say they're dominant. Like when fucking Ryan Tapera came out of the bullpen, I was like, why? Why is that guy not on the Red Sox? Because it's not even hindsight's 2020. I wanted the Red Sox to trade for Ryan Tapera at the deadline last year. Now he's a free agent. You can just give him money to come here. Nope, didn't do that. And it, I'm not saying Ryan Tapera is is the fucking problem solver to this team, but someone like him, someone that is a like a closer. How many more games? What would the season look like if you had a guy like that? Uh, based on, like I said, Wednesday night and and all the walk off losses that you should have had against all these divisional opponents, um, you know, how many you're not blown gonna, saves do they have as a team? Seven. That's insane. I, I think they're five for twelve on save opportunities. Oh my god, they have Woo. more blown saves than real saves. That is, I mean. I guess I'm I'm more shocked that they've had that many opportunities where they were leading late in the game. The Red Sox have eight blown saves. Oh my god! And um, no one else in baseball has more than five. <laughs> Lovely. Yes, the Red Sox have eight blown saves as a team. Nobody else in Major League Baseball has more than five. The Blue Jays, which is odd because the Blue Jays have one of the best closers in, in the league. Um, but obviously, that's not Romano that's blowing them. I think he blew one against the Astros. That was the Jeremy Pena walk-off. Uh, the Blue Jays, Brewers, and White Sox have five blown saves. Um, but yeah, they're they're two blown saves away from doubling up the second worst team in baseball. And you Probably look get back- there by the end of the week here. Yeah, you you look back, what are arguably the two most crushing moments? You know, if you kind of think about it, they came on Garrett Whitlock's start days. He has a bay. They haven't won a game that he started yet, right? No, they haven't. And you look back, the Kevin Kiermeyer walk off, which really started to feel like the first like serious gut punch. Then you go to, you know, Wednesday night. Arguably, you hit rock bottom and, you know, maybe today's even worse, you know, after the game. But at that point, you know, some of those most heartbreak moments have come on those days where, Whitlock started and you just didn't have enough. You didn't have enough arms back there. Mm. <clears throat> it's crazy. It is crazy. I don't uh I don't have any answers. Um I don't have any answers as it pertains to Matt Barnes and his struggles. Uh I mean, it hasn't been pretty for him since the second half of last year. He's thrown he's thrown eight and a third innings. An 864 ERA, uh, 
the the FIP is four and a half, so maybe he's been a little bit better. But like the traffic, the whip, one point seven. Like um, have, he's out there, and we know what Matt Barnes it was fastball, curveball, like th- th- that hammer curveball. He's out there trying a changeup, just cro- crossing his fingers, hoping for the best. Like that's where Matt Barnes is at this point in his career. That's how lost he is. Where he's basically trying to change his entire arsenal with the hope. I can be just a productive pitcher. Maybe I can be the guy I was before 2021 yeah. and just be, you know, an eighth inning or a seventh inning guy. Well, that's going to be such a lonely, confusing, depressing feeling when, you know, you were an all-star reliever slash closer, whatever you want to call him in the first half of last year. And you're blowing 96, 97. And now all of a sudden you can't even find the velocity. Like it's not even about like the the results aren't there. It's like, your bread and butter is not there because before last year, like 2020 and prior when Matt Barnes, like the old Matt Barnes was depending too much on his curveball. He was trying to curveball guys to death. And then when he was succeeding last year in the first half, he was filling up the strike zone with his fastball, just daring guys to hit it and they couldn't hit it. I mean, granted some people did like when, when Matt Barnes was, was at the top of his game, if you looked at the list of players who squared up Matt Barnes in the first half last year, it was like Shohei Otani, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like he was getting beat by the elite. Those are the only people that were getting to his fastball. Um, and then he got away from that. And I know that some people have pointed to the sticky stuff checks. Like, oh, after they got rid of sticky stuff, that's when Matt Barnes fell off. And there was like an injury last year. And even still, like your like velocity the, doesn't drop because of sticky stuff like that. Yeah, like your your spin rate would drop if you're using spider tack and uh, and like I don't like Matt Barnes wasn't using spider tack. Like there are plenty of guys, pl- like maybe ninety percent of the league, maybe more that was using uh, rosin and sunscreen. Like that's been that's a tale as old as time. Like that's just been going on for fucking ever. Um. And I'm sure that he was probably using that shit, which is not the same as like spider tack was cheating. Spider tack was to increase spin rate to uh, that. That's cheating like bullfrog and fucking rosin. That's just that's literally to get a grip. Um, So maybe there's a correlation there, too. But I mean, to your point, Tyler, you don't fucking lose whatever it is, like four miles an hour on your fastball because of that. And when you were succeeding at the top of your game, making an all-star team, it was because he was throwing 96, 97 in the zone, challenging guys, and they weren't able to touch it. Now, if you're throwing 92, 93, best case scenario, that's getting barreled by even your middle of the line uh, bats in Major League Baseball. Taylor Ward. And I don't know, I look at it, you know, at the beginning of the season, we remember he wasn't available. They said he was dealing with something with his back. I don't know if that was the team just trying to kind of protect him because they knew his velocity was down. But even Alex Cora, like nobody knows. They don't know what's going wrong. Matt Barnes says the ball feels like it's coming out of my hand the right way. What do you do? And, you know, you paid him. I know people keep crying about the contract. He's getting paid eighth inning money before people go look at Joe Kelly's contract. It's basically the same money. You know, he didn't get paid like a top shelf closer, but that's what he was performing at. So I understand why that's the expectation. But, you know, I I think 
and you look back last year after the sticky stuff, he was still good for a couple weeks after that. If you look at the stats as well, mm-hmm. it was it was usage. He got ran into the ground and it just his arm never bounced back. And anybody here, we, we've been watching the Red Sox throughout Matt Barnes entire tenure. He got ran into the ground year in and year out and just didn't have good stuff by the end. Mm-hmm. This feels like the time it finally happened and it's just not coming back. Yep. Um, and shame on Heimbloom. Shame on, you know, the Red Sox as a whole for saying, hey, you know, we're going to bet on this guy and whatever. You know, Matt Barnes will be fine when he shows up to spring training. You're better than that. I you feel like prepared to deal with. That. I feel like that applies to so many areas of this team, though, where it's like they bet on their guys or they bet on guys that they had been familiar with and didn't put insurance policies in place like. Uh, even with like Dahlbeck and like Travis Shaw, Travis Shaw was your fucking backup plan. And now like, I don't like Jackie and Bradley Jr. Addition too. Right. Like, and he, he like, thought he was retiring. Like <laughs> he, it was the end. Of, let's be real. It was the end of spring training. He, he thought it was done. And then like Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, and uh, it, and like, I don't want to hear like people trash Jackie Bradley Jr. Cause like, this is like, Obviously, he's not hitting, but like Jackie Bradley Jr. was not brought in to hit. He's basically doing his job. He's basically the player that you know him to be, but they didn't add any real insurance out there either beyond Jackie Bradley Jr. And they knew damn well they needed something. Why else were they talking for A.J. Pollock? Why else were they talking to Michael Conforto's agent before he had season ending shoulder or surgery? They knew. I missed that. Conforto got surgery? Yeah, he got a full surgery on his shoulder done for the year. Jesus. Yeah, uh, I fucking was golfing with him in February. Wow. Yeah, maybe uh, that's where he heard it. <laughs> I was listening. Yeah, I don't think it was Boris who came out, but the camp came out and kind of just broke it down. And apparently the medicals were a lot worse than many had thought. He could have played through it, but the right money wasn't there. So yeah, why not? he spit on it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Pete, say something negative about somebody. Um, uh. I guess I just mentioned Bobby D. Bobby D, maybe get a fucking extra base hit once in a while, pal. <laughs> Try that out. Could could work out for you. Don't strike out on four pitches. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. Bobby, believe it or not, believe it or not, Bob does not lead the Red Sox in strikeout percentage. Who does? Hmm. Kike Hernandez. Would you say Kike Hernandez? Nope. I'm gonna say Trevor Story. It's Trevor Story. Wow. Thirty-one point five percent. Bob is at thirty point one. Is that updated after today's game or no? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um. Either way. Either way, Story's leading before today or after today. Uh. Yeah. Has not gone well. Has not gone well for for anyone now. Like, I, like Devers is kind of like slipping into that group of like it's it's Bogarts, JD, and everyone else. Like JD's OPS is now up over nine hundred. Like quietly, I think we, hitting is is contagious though. Like it's it's like a a group mentality. Obviously, you've got the the three guys who are who are hitting, and, and like that's just because they're they're unreal and they're always going to hit. But like I feel like the other guys may come around if if it starts to be more of a group effort. And and in morale is not so super low. Maybe that's just me being like a dumbass baseball fan, but 
I don't think what you're saying is crazy, Pete, though. I just think it's been working the opposite way where the approaches are so garbage that it's like the entire lineup picks it up. Endeavors will get into it with his chase rate being horrendous at times and he's swinging at everything outside the strike zone. It just spreads like the plague in some of these games. And today was another example of it with Otani on the mound. You can see when the approaches are better and they can work a walk. You saw it, you know, first couple games of the series, it was a little bit better. It's just it gets so out of control sometimes. And it's such a mental game, too, that like if everybody's going up there being like nobody's hitting, I have to do something. There's there's tons of pressure and everybody's trying to force it. And that leads to bad approaches. I got a fun stat for you guys. You ready for it? I bet it's not fun. No, it's fun. Okay. Uh, The Red Sox are now 10 and 16 in the previous 12 years from 2010 to 2021. The Red Sox lost at least 15 of their first 30 games seven different times. They missed the playoffs every single one of those years. I'm fucking waiting for the fun part. No, nah, that's it. <clears throat> All right. Well, that wasn't fun. Well, Nothing the fun more. part is that this is going to be the year. Pete. <laughs> this is going to be the year that they fucking lose uh, 15 of their first 30 games and and make the playoffs. That's All what right, I'm, I'm saying. Here it's Cinco de Mayo right now, recording on Cinco de Mayo. I'm making a Cinco de Mayo proclamation. I don't fucking care if they make the playoffs. I would like to watch baseball and not want to kill myself after every single game. I don't think you're asking for much. You're not asking for a lot. But I think they're better than that. Like I don't even know what kind of loss would make me feel better than some of the losses that we've seen like uh i think we've seen losses where <laughs> Sawamora th- fires a ball up the goddamn third baseline um kevin kiermeyer i was actually with one of my friends watching this game sweating out this tampa bay rays game and kiermeyer comes up and he's not much of a baseball fan he's like oh like is this guy any good? I was like, yeah, he's, you know, he's a, he's known for his defense. He's got no power whatsoever. Bang. Walk off Homer. See you the fuck later. Um, and then I think I don't. Why do I not have any recollection of this Yankees walk off loss? How did how did the Red Sox lose that game? So Cutter Crawford came in. Donaldson was at the plate. It was like a like a soft grounder up the middle. I looked this up after the last podcast because I was even doubting myself a little bit. Um That was the whole game. Garrett Whitlock had came in. Remember, he ended up, they tied it, went to extras. and This was opening day, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. opening day. We should have known then. (laughs) Opening day, though, it's tough to read too much into opening day. uh, There's also the uh, just nobody catching the infield pop-up and ended up losing by one run, uh, a failed comeback, like... It's the one thing that I'll say about this team is that it is extremely creative. It is extremely creative in the way that it loses ball games. Like every single night, you're yeah. going to see something different. That's yeah. what pisses me off the most, though, because that's what it was in August and September last year, where anything, any way, whatever you could do that could possibly go wrong went wrong. This team just, there's nothing, you know, to cling on. At least we could cling in August and September last year. We knew who they were, you know. April through June. What do you cling to right now? Right. Speaking of getting creative, you can get creative with your same game parlays in the DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Yeah, you can. Slide in the stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during MLB season? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All you have to do? is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, that is J-A-R-E-D. Bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That is promo code Jared at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Um, see, who else can I say something bad about? Um, hmm, Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta's got an ERA almost of eight. He hasn't helped much. Tanner Houck today, gross. Tanner Houck today uh, did not. Did he? Were all those runs earned? Yep. They were all earned. Holy shit. Seven, Seven. earned. Holy fuck. Seven earned runs in two and a third innings for Tanner Houck. He did strike out the side, though. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but see, this is one of those things, let me just say, all those people who are like, oh, we'll leave Garrett Whitlock in the rotation and keep Tanner Houck out there to try and close a game. I think Pete Abraham was the one who actually came out and said that. Fuck. Great idea. Fuck off. That's an awful idea. Don't ever mention it again, please. It, he's not the kind of guy, and they were scared to use Tanner Houck in the postseason last year as well. There was a reason they stayed away from him in Houston. He's not the guy you want trying to close out a game for you. Can he get by in the rotation? Sure. We saw it this year. Don't compare him and Garrett Whitlock. No, not the same guy. His Tanner Hawks ERA went from 241 to 514 today. Mm. Mm. This team, baby. I don't know if you're catching these same vibes as me, but I can just feel that tide turning. Uh, Alex Verdugo has fallen off a fucking mountain. Uh, in terms of starting off the season hot to where he's at now, uh, Verdugo 0 for 4, 0 for 4 in the series finale. So now he's down to 217 on the season with a 255 on base percentage. Yikes. A walk um, rate of 5.9%, and the OPS is below 600 now. It is 592. And the power has basically disappeared. Now, mm-hmm. what I a lot of the expected stats say he's been better than that. He's gotten a little unlucky. Yeah, he's hit some balls hard. I think he's joined the plague of awful at bats lately, swinging at first pitches. Just not not productive. What scares me more than anything, though, he's been grabbing at his back the last couple nights. Uh, the broadcast has mentioned it twice now. He's a guy we saw he played through leg problems last year, but when he did, wasn't good. He, he's not a guy who performed too well in that state. Don't feel good about Alex Verdugo and where he stands right now because he was supposed to be one of the guys they expected to break out and help be one of the main fixtures of this offense. Mm. And he's a spark plug. I, I, he's my favorite player on the team. Like I, I don't think anybody on that team might be more of an energy boost when things are going right. Yeah. But right now, it's ugly. It's real ugly. It's ugly for everybody. God damn. I, I actually have some slander to pass around. Okay. Please do. C- Christian Vasquez. 
Okay. Um, credit to him. He's thrown out runners really well this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can do anything else well. And he hasn't done anything else well for quite some time now. Uh, I hate to be that guy. At the plate, he's been a shell of himself since the COVID year. Uh, and one of the big things, I think the Christian Vasquez narrative was he was so underrated. Well, the Red Sox missed their chance to move off from him. They told you how they felt about him during the offseason when they tried to get Jacob Stallings. They are ready to send him to the moon. Um, I think Vasquez is important in that clubhouse. I, I do. I think he's as one of the longest tenured members, but I don't think guys love throwing to him. I don't think his sequencing is too impressive at times either, especially just going back to that Hansel Robles moment the other night. Um, but we I heard don't think- it from fucking Pat. it's true about it when he it's back when pat light was on this podcast he talked about uh working with christian vasquez and how his his best pitch was like he loved his splitter and he just never called it and you look at robles like the fastball blowing it by guys nope don't want that don't want that it's like come on man just just a little feel even jake deekman the other night like the slider wasn't going to get him out. It was clear the slider wasn't going to get him out. Try mm-hmm. something different. And I don't think it's any surprise. We know how Nate Valdi feels about throwing with Kevin Pawecki. He's a different pitcher. He's a completely different guy when he has Pawecki behind the plate. And he's not the only one. We saw Pawecki get another start. It's just I look at Christian Vasquez right now and I'm like, what do you do here? Right. I, yeah. I hate to like not to you know shit on a guy that much, but like. Behind the plate, in terms of blocking, he's regressed. There's been a couple ugly moments there. I knew Lou Merloni's been all over him in terms of that this year. And he offers you nothing at the plate. It's just like, what are you doing for me? Uh, On that Diekman note, so Diekman was one of the guys that got a uh, pitch grip from Pitching Ninja. It was Chaz Rose Slider, who is right-handed. And Diekman is left-handed, but he kind of just inverted the pitch grip and added fucking like i don't know 20 inches of break on his fucking slider by using Chaz rose grip so when deekman's out there walking guys left and right he's almost a victim of his own nastiness where if you have that much break on your slider yeah it's difficult to hit but if you can't throw it for a strike it's it's kind of difficult and when you're facing lefty lefty trying to control a slider like that with so much break on it. It's like you don't want to drill the lefty in the batter's box. So if you're trying to aim it so that it breaks out like over the over the strike zone, there's a chance that you might miss middle and then there you go. That's that's kind of like what happened with with Deekman. Um but yeah, I I I think more more and more I'm starting to see uh kind of just the hopelessness of this team. <laughs> Where I can I can feel it in your voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am I'm starting to get there where I love talking my shit and I haven't been able to say a single fucking word since the ALCS last year. Like what did they go up? Two one? The Red Sox? No. Yeah. 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 They were up two one. They were up two one in the ALCS. And yeah, it's been quite some time since I've been able to talk any of my shit. And uh, it doesn't help that the Yankees are doing what they're doing. Um, although I will say, and this isn't sour grapes, it's really just logic being applied to a baseball discussion. The Yankees won 11 straight baseball games. And the whole, uh, how sustainable is winning every single game? Uh, it's not. 
is not sustainable. So I'm not saying that the, you can't, oh, you're eight games back and this and that. You're never going to be able to catch the Yankees. Like, yeah, you built an eight game lead because you won every single game. Like you're not going to be able to do that for the entire year. And during that 11 game winning streak, it was on the back of Aaron Judge hitting a home run every single game. He's not going to be able to do that either. Yes, you had a nice little week and a half stretch. No doubt. No doubt. The Yankees got hot and put some separation. Um, and I can't believe I'm even entertaining the idea of like the Red Sox being able to catch the Yankees. Uh, I I'll don't... just say what I wouldn't fucking give for an unsustainable winning streak at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. the just uh, two games in a row would be nice. Yeah. I mean, well, that's that's sort April of like 16th and 17th was the last that's time. sort of like what I feel like the most frustrating thing about this team. Well, not the most frustrating thing, but one of the most frustrating things uh, is that like they'll win a game and they'll give you a little bit of hope and you'll be like, OK, this is the turning point. We did we did the whole season starts today thing, went one and oh, undefeated on the season, and then they immediately strip away all of your hope. Mm-hmm. And it's not a only real do they fucking strip away your hope. They they go into Jake's living room and they're like, hey, Jake, you like watching the Red Sox? Jake's like, hey, I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm editing baseball is dead right now. And then they just spit in Jake's face, <laughs> kick and him in they, the dick. Then they then they go to well. Jake gets his face spit in. Then they go into Tyler's living room. Like, hey, you like watching this Red Sox team? No, not at all. Then they just punt Tyler right in the penis. Then they go up to Pete. Where'd you sit today, Pete? Uh, Right field box. Right field box. Then they go right right below section 10, actually. Oh. You like section 10? I do. I'm a big fan of section 10. What's so good about it? Uh, Great sight line. Mm -hmm. Good vibes. Mm -hmm. Um just a cool thing to say mm-hmm. who section 10 yeah who doesn't like saying section 10 also it. it's a good section at fenway park great sign great sign it's a great just, sign jake you what's your favorite section at fenway uh 10 okay <laughs> uh tyler if you were to pick like one section at fenway which one are you picking there's just so many great but for some reason all my childhood memories come back to 10 right yeah, if I had to pick one, I mean, like literally, like my my seats are in section ten. Like that's where I, what? that's where I see. Yeah, I actually have it tattooed on my chest. It says section ten right there. I can't um, believe you've never talked about this publicly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Since uh, since nineteen ninety eight, I was nine years old. We got year tickets. I was born. Yep. Got tickets in section ten. Um, it was when Pedro got traded over there, and I used to have Bruins season tickets. So then. We switched to Red Sox season tickets, and I was like, we got to sit in Section 10, Dad. My dad was like, Section 10? And I was like, yeah, that's the section I want to sit in. And he was like, guess what? I was like, what, Dad? He's like, we got tickets in motherfucking Section 10. And we've had them ever since. That's where I sit still to this day, Section 10. I bet you've got some good memories there. In Section 10? Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw game four, the ALCS there. Yep. Uh, in 2004, I saw the, the Robert Steele, the Ortiz walk-off I saw in section 10. I saw the Coco Crisp James Shields brawl in section 10. Um, let's see. What else did I see in section 10? I saw game one of the 2007 World Series in section 10. That was the, uh, Dustin Pedroia homer that ended up being the ask fucking 
what was his name? Francis? Jeff Francis. Jeff Francis. Yeah. Ask him who the fuck I am. That's where that came from. Um, I finished out my night after the Red Sox won the World Series in 2013. I, I, I was in Section 10. There's a lot of good memories there. A lot of good memories. It's a good time. Uh, Are we... Is anyone here ready to tap out? Is anyone on this show ready to say the season's over? Before anyone answers, can I slip a note in here? Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look at stats, he put out a good tweet. Red Sox stats. I'm blocked, but for those who aren't. (laughs) um, You know, just want to keep putting that out there. The Red Sox have to play close, I believe, a 588 winning percentage the rest of the way to win 90 games. That's doable. Just just think about it. Add it to the equation. I'm not tapping out. I'm close, but. And even if I again, like even if I'm tapping out on this being like a lost season or like a non playoff team, that's fine. I would like to enjoy baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they don't make the playoffs, which every statistic, there's this like piece of shit, dude, that like I he he has sent me. That's why I always think that people are insane that DM you. They want to like harass you via DM instead of tweet you. That's when like, you know, that they're actually trying to like hurt your feelings because it's like I'm trying to get directly to you. Uh, this dude has sent me mm, north of, let, let's call it 300 DMs without a response. But he's got great information. <laughs> he, I mean, he wants to like send me all kinds of like just hurtful information. Uh, so I actually got that last stat from him. The, the previous 12 years from 2010 to 2021, the Red Sox lost at least uh, 15 of their first 30 games, seven different times. They missed the playoffs each year. He just messaged me again for like 40 minutes later. And he said, since the start of division, he's basically like the uh, whatever this podcast is called, like asshole researcher. Like he just it's a super good person to have, honestly. Yeah. He's like, here's why you should kill yourself. <laughs> he's that guy. Uh, he just messaged me again and said, since the start of divisional play in 1969. Wow. He's this- working hard. This is, he is. This dude is just like some piece of shit I, that works I respect to like the, the hell out of this guy. Bureau. I respect the hell out of this guy. This guy is doing homework to make your life hell. Yeah. Yeah. And I swear to you, I have not responded to in like two years. And I he, hope he listens to the podcast. He's going to get his finally overdue shine. Maybe. Um, so he messaged me and said, since the start of divisional play in 1969, this is the 17th time the Red Sox will have a losing record after 30 games and the seventh time since 2011. They missed the playoffs the previous 16 times. I love this dude. I want, if this dude's listening, uh, I, want you to, I want you to know that I love and appreciate you and you should definitely keep doing this to Jared. Yeah. I mean, all of his DMs, it's just nonstop message after message after message. Um, like I'm just scrolling up October 21st, 2021 since 19, <laughs> since 1993, 
when the LCS was tied 2-2, the winner of Game 5 went on to win the series 83% of the time. I'm assuming you, that's after the Red Sox are there, lost Game 5. Are there, like, messages in between these telling you to, like, go eat shit or, like, jump off a bridge or anything or, like, any nasty shit? Or is no, it all just, like, statistical? Go- really? S- since 1998, when the home team got at least a split in Games 1 and 2 of the ALCS, they went 17-2 and two in the series. So he was saying the Astros were going to win this. So all of his DMs are just like statistical wink, wink, like you guys you. suck. Yeah. Yep. I love this guy. This is different I absolutely level love bullying. this guy. September 27, 2021, he messaged me. Chris Sale is making his eighth star tomorrow. His third start against the 106 loss <laughs> Orioles. Since August, the Sox are one and nine against the Jays and Yankees. The two teams they actually needed to beat. The Sox don't trust his velocity. I'm obsessed with this guy. Jared, I love him. I think this same guy actually messages me because these messages you're reading sound extremely similar to a guy who has sent messages to me nonstop. And yeah. I have not responded in oh, well over I a year. I love this. Yeah. I love this like psychological warfare <laughs> just <laughs> using stats. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Jared, let me just make sure this is word for word the tweet you just got that I got at 651. Since the start of divisional play in 1969. Yes. This is, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Is, is his is his first name a color? Um. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. And uh, the picture is of a of a person's face. Yes. Yep. Nice to see where we have the same company. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love yeah. this. Bully. I'm P2. a huge fan. Throw him in the loop. Jake, would you like some hate messages? <laughs> yeah, I'd take some. I'd take some. Let's get bullied together. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been messaging me for a long time, and he even he the, like he even put statistics in uh, the iPhone's notes app. I, I received that as well, <laughs> and, and <laughs> screenshotted it and sent it to me. I uh, love this guy so oh, much. Yeah. Oh and made the, man, uh, he's and he's like not doing it for the glory. He's not. He's not like being nasty that he's not getting responses. He just. He just wants to give you some stats and ruin your day. Yeah. I he, am a huge fan. Yeah. He wants he wants me to know that statistic like during the ALCS, like statistically, the Red Sox are not going to win the series. Uh statistically, the Red Sox are not going to make the playoffs this year. And yeah, I mean, like, I'm scrolling for a while and it's just nonstop stats after stats after stats. Uh do you get the Heim related messages, Jared? No, that must be catered to you because I, I mean I, I get a lot of like Bobby Dahlbeck stuff because I'm a I'm a Bobby honk. Um, yes, he, he's calling and predicting. I don't know if this was in your noted picture, but thanks, Heim. See you in 2023, which is his hopeful uh, date for when Bloom will be kicked out of the Red Sox front office. He just uh, so I'm looking at this message from July 30th, and he says that he's a Mets fan. There's no way. That you can hate me and the Red Sox this much as a Mets fan. Dude, he'll send messages during the Red Sox game on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I see them. I, 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 You know, a year ago, I, me and him had a little back and forth, you know. And he admitted he took the L to me last year over Bloom and accepted defeat. But he came back strong once the new year began. So I don't know if I respect that more. That he just didn't get, you know, he didn't give up after I dunked on him. Mm-hmm. Dropped my dick on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, But... Maybe this dude's just like an equal opportunity hater. Like maybe he's just sending uh, demoralizing statistics to like every baseball person in every market. (laughs) Nothing personal. He listens. Yeah, no, it's just he's just like he's like a fucking like terrorist. He's a baseball terrorist. (laughs) He listens to the baseball hour because this this message is from June 17th. 
2021. And he said, Hey, Carabas, I listened to the audio of your appearance with Tony Maz and you, your unwillingness to acknowledge the reality that pitchers like Tyler Glasnow and Garrett Richards are afraid that they don't know how to pitch without cheating. Actual major league players know the art of how to throw the ball. These guys are an embarrassment. So he's, he's listening. Yeah. He sends actually during our email of the day segment on Zolak and Bertrand, they have been geared towards me quite a bit where mm-hmm. he hopes to break down whatever point I made that day. Mm-hmm. Not very successful, but I appreciate the effort. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, a new stat from Codify. Uh, 29 Otani swing strikes today is a new career high for him. Oh, man. I, Otani was fucking unbelievable today. Mm-hmm. He had like, obviously, I, I thought the most impressive thing was that he, how many, how many did he go? Seven? Yes. He went seven innings, like through like 100 pitches, 85% strikes, f- like five hits, and what, 12 strikeouts? Like uh, 11. 11 strikeouts? That is absurd. He's just throwing the ball in the strike zone the entire fucking game and nobody's hitting it. Nope. And had no problem ramping it up to 100 or, you know, 99 whenever Outrageous. he felt the need. And added two hits on top of it. Just an insane person. I like I went to the game and big shock. They fucking lose uh, seven nothing. Not Pete's fault. Seven nothing. And like the most fun that I could have had at a seven nothing game. Just watching Otani be ridiculous. Yeah. Also, that that Twitter account, would it dong? It tells you uh, when when some schmuck hits a fucking first row home run at Yankee Stadium, it's a home run and just one ballpark and it's Yankee Stadium. That ball that Jackie Bradley lost in the sun, mm -hmm. uh, Shohei Otani hit that ball and it would have been a home run in 11 out of 30 ballparks. Well, how about the home run that actually was hit? That's two run homer that landed in like the first row around the around pesky pole. Yeah. Jared Walsh. That was a just absolute dinky home run. I was like, okay, well, this game is over. Yeah. Because the Red Sox are not going to score three runs. Yeah. Just think uh, about that for a second, though. Shohei Otani, seven shutout innings with 11 strikeouts, 29 swings and misses. And like, you might as well just give it to him. He also hit a fucking bomb out to dead center. <laughs> <laughs> oh man like he's he's no joke and like you know you look at, a, at, his, at his numbers this year i think he's hitting like 230 something but who gives a fuck i mean the yeah. talent is undeniable uh i try like i should have gone today like i want to be able to say like yeah i fucking saw shohei Otani that's why i was so excited I, I got the, like tickets were super cheap because it was getaway day middle of like thursday afternoon mm-hmm. got tickets for like 18 bucks uh, and got to see Shohei Otani just like based on pure luck because I got it when Syndergaard was supposed to start, uh, and then they ended up swapping him out after I got the ticket. So super lucky. Uh, I gotta get get going here soon, but uh, update. I puck? I am doing mm-hmm. uh, doing Stanley Cup playoffs. Zero and four, zero and four uh, on the season. And updated stats: Red Sox are hitting two thirty nine with three walks and forty six strikeouts. In the four games that I've been to, uh, the pitching 6.75 ERA with 19 walks and 39 strikeouts. Who, who provided you. these statistics? PDF I was orders. just going to say uh, Jordy Cunningham. Do I know who that is? I don't know. He uh, he replies to uh, the Carabas Pod Twitter account with updated stats <laughs> after every game that I go to. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Hell yeah, brother. Oh man, they stink. They stink. They're man. so bad. They're so bad. Um, yeah, so I, mean, I guess on this note, 
I guess I wanted to say because people are there's so many like baseball is what that superstitious sport and people are blaming Pete. He's 0 four when he goes to games. I'm actually 0 three myself. Uh, they've only they played what ten home games and they've won four of them. So I think you know if anyone went, they probably lost. And people are saying it's the curse of Carabas because of me leaving bar school. Uh, I say it's the curse of Dave holding Section 10 hostage. It could also be the curse of Jerry Remy and not including Don Arcillo in the ceremony. There's plenty of things. It could be the curse of Kyle Schwarber. You know, the curse of the things. Bogarts contract extension yeah. talk. Yeah, there's plenty of negative vibe things that you could point this to. Uh, it's not just one thing. A lot of things. A lot of things have changed. <laughs> not for the better. I would say, uh, you know, the whole Orsillo thing, negative vibes. The Bogarts contract, negative vibes. Pete going to Fenway, negative vibes, man. Negative vibes. Um, all right, Pete. We're uh we'll be we'll be uh watching for all the ho- hockey hockey. Go puck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Woohoo. All right. All right. See you later, fellas. Bye. See you, See you Sunday. See you, Pete. Um, yeah, that is going to be something. Uh, <laughs> like, I, there have been teams that have they found themselves in this position, 10 and 16, that I've been like, yeah, I mean, it's a shit start. It's not great, but they, they've got the group that can, can come out of this. Yeah. I, I think right now with Alex Cora, it's also a really big test for him. Like, can you, we've seen over the years when these bad starts, it's been on and off. They've struggled. They can't dig themselves out of the hole and it ends up becoming another lost season. This is the time when Alex Cora kind of needs to prove I can write the ship if need be. It's not all on him. You need guys to perform on the field. But I think in a lot of ways, while you'll see plenty of blame, if things go wrong, fall on bloom, there's going to be people who've been waiting to try to dump on Alex Cora as well. Yeah. It's it's hard to put it on core though. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people are are not happy with the roster construction. I think a lot of people are not happy with, and it's 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 undeniable. Like I was there on opening day at Fenway, and I think it would be jumping to a conclusion to put it on the whole Xander Bogarts contract thing, but it felt weird. I think it was a combination of insulting Bogarts and the awkwardness of signing Trevor Story. There was something there. You could feel it. It was weird. They didn't get off to a good start. Then they come home. That's kind of lingering in the air. It's it's kind of the first time that some of the, the local media had the chance to approach Bogarts and ask him and stuff like that. Um, I'm not going to directly pinpoint that on on why the Red Sox season has gone the way that it has so far. But it, it hasn't helped, I don't think. And, you know, credit to Xander Bogarts once again for him to be the most consistent player on the team, to mm-hmm. do what he's doing offensively. I want to give him credit defensively. I think early in the season of some of the best defensive Xander Bogarts we've seen. And I've been someone who's held him on that stuff. You know, that jump throw he made the other night. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Xander. Um, I have to give him, you know, the respect for that, but the other guys on the team, I can understand when you don't know what direction things are heading in. It just feels like so much is up in the air and the fact that it's May 5th and, you know, there's already talk like, well, is Bogart's going to be shipped out? Could he be moved at the deadline? Are we looking at another teardown? 
I don't know. It scares me. It reminds me of 2014 in a lot of ways. And I really do not like that where it felt like the curtain came down so damn quickly on you. Mm-hmm. But I that June Lee column that came out a couple of days ago talking about Bogarts and Story's relationship and, you know, just the process of it didn't make me feel good. It, what were some of the cliff notes for the people that haven't read it, including myself? Yeah. So basically, it just kind of talked. It was Bogarts basically moving off of a lot of the, you know, a year ago around playoff time. In order to stay with the Red Sox, he was willing to move to second or third, whatever it may have been at some point. It seemed like a lot of those claims were pushed back, viewing him strictly or viewing himself strictly as a shortstop, just talking about how Bogarts was happy enough. That's a quote, happy enough that things worked out with Trevor's story. Um, continuing to emphasize the focus is on getting Rafael Devers here long term from the Red Sox front office and continuing to say a great year from Xander Bogarts only makes it less likely he's probably here long term. Yeah. You know, nothing cement, you know, if people want to go and read it, it wasn't, you know, June saying like this is that, but it was basically doubling down on everything we've heard and kind of speculated on. Yeah. And it didn't shut down those four years, 90, that extension offer didn't shut it down one bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad vibes, man. There's a lot of bad vibes right now. I don't Ver- feel good. Verdugo also was in the column joining the ranks of Chris Sale and, you know, a couple other guys who said the Red Sox need to figure out what it takes to pay Bogart's endeavors because those are impact guys we need here. Yeah. So add him to the list of, you know, who stepped out and cared to say it. Right. Because you don't have I mean, like you have like Marcelo Meyer, but he's not ready to come up next year. I hate the people that bring that stuff up. I understand not everybody pays pays attention to prospects. If you're looking for what the Heimblum out to the Xander Bogart situation, pay attention to Nick York. You know why? Because Trevor Story can move to shortstop. If Nick York hit like he did last year, he could be in AAA by the end of the year. That's the excuse that you'd find. Oh, well, Nick York could be up the middle for them. Like we're looking at Tristan Cassis right now by June, by May, whatever it may be. I, I think that's the guy. If you're worried about Marcelo Meyer, listen, we're talking years, we're two, three, and that's if everything goes right for him. Mm. It's just you can't cling to stuff like that. Yeah. I also just don't want to fucking worry about <coughs> the Bogart stuff right now because I feel like if the Red Sox were winning, people aren't talking about this. It's almost just like, oh, they're they're playing so poorly right now. Like, let's just be even more miserable by talking about what lies ahead in the offseason and the the negative energy that's coming from playing baseball is spilling into the conversations of the likelihood that that Xander is here beyond the season. Um, so I guess we'll see. I mean, things could change, uh, especially now that you're you're hearing from some of these guys like Chris Sale, Verdugo, and I'm sure everyone. If they haven't spoken about it publicly, they all feel the same way. Like, hey, if we're going to try to win a fucking championship next year and beyond, uh, Bogey's got to be here and he deserves to be here and he deserves to get paid what he's worth, especially because, uh, you know, this isn't his his first contract opportunity. He already signed an extension with you and took a hometown discount to be here. So, you know, next time it's it's time to it's time to <coughs> take care of this guy because he, he's he's been here for two championships now. Um so that being said, I'm unhappy. I uh, have not experienced joy in, in quite some time. 
I don't enjoy watching this team. I think that, uh, oh, f- oh, thank God I'll be there because fucking the Friday night game is on goddamn Apple TV. And then the Sunday game is on Peacock, which whatever. But the sun- the Friday game being on Apple TV, thank God I'm going to that because I do not want to figure out Apple TV. I just don't. I'm taking a stand. Sorry. I, I haven't heard great things about that broadcast either. No. And they've tried to incorporate some analytics. Not the right ones. It's kind of like... You know, I've been working to teach Maz some analytics and sometimes a random analytic that I've never even processed before. That's never, this is not front of the realm will pop up. That's kind of the stuff they're doing. Mm. Yeah, no, thanks. <clears throat> no, thank you. Uh, are you going to go to the game on Friday, Tyler? I will be there Saturday. Oh, me and Jake are going to be there. F- are you coming on Friday, Jake? Hell yeah. Jake will be there Friday. Are you coming Saturday? Yep, yep. I'll be there. I'll be starting my record. We'll see if I can be positive, unlike you and Pete. This is your first game of the season. First game of the year. Jake, have you been yet? Yeah, I'm one and one. Ooh. One and one. So we do have a win. One and one. We need to get Jake and more video content. I feel like... Uh, have you been recognized yet? Have you had that experience yet, Jake? I mean, I got some DMs and stuff, but I don't think anything in person yet. No one's come up to Jake yet. I want to be there for that moment. I want someone to be like, Jake, I want a picture. I want a picture with Jake. I want them to totally curve me. Be like, I don't give a fuck about you. I want a picture with Jake. I want to experience that. You think you could handle it, Jake? Yeah, I could take a pic. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's going to be like a groundswell to become Jake's first picture. You've been at two games and no one has taken the crown yet. I feel like Friday is the day. Yeah, it could be a big moment for whoever mm-hmm. wants to step up. Yeah. Were there any close calls anywhere you saw someone was kind of eyeing you a little bit and kind of, you know, making that motion? But, you know, you're an intimidating guy. I can I feel it through the screen right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. But no, I didn't I didn't see anyone eyeballing me. Mm. All right. Friday is the day. Friday is the day that Jake's going to get his. That's going to turn the fucking season around. Jake's first picture. Kidding me? Hmm. Get Jake's first pick. I mean, the White Sox, uh, kind of a confusing team this year. They haven't played great baseball, but they're they've still po- hovering around in second place. Yeah, they, they've won a couple recently in a row, so I'll give them their credit. But they're kind of like the Red Sox, except they have reasons to say they suck because they've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, they're 11-13. and 13. They've got a negative 18-run differential, but they come into this weekend series uh, having won three straight ball games. So that brings us to the stop and shop look ahead Friday night. I'll be there with Jake Saturday. All three of us will be there. I'm sure Pete will fucking roll in at some point. Uh, but the pitching matchups, Nathan Valdi versus Vince Velasquez. Nick Pavetta versus Dallas Keuchel. And then this will be a fun little matchup. Michael Walker versus Dylan Cease. A lot of people picking Dylan Cease to win the Cy Young Award this year. Um. <clears throat> Velasquez, one and two with a four fifty eight ERA this year. Uh, coming off his best start of the season, though, five and two thirds, four hits, shutout, no walks, six strikeouts. Um, he is uh, five hundred in his starts this year. The White Sox are two and two in his starts, and the Red Sox have actually seen him pretty well. Uh, two ninety three eighty on base, a an eleven ninety OPS. Trevor Story, five for 17 with a couple doubles, three homers. Please, just give us one. 
JD, two for seven, those two homers. Devers, two for five with a homer. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, just not, not good at baseball anymore. Dallas Keuchel has struggled for quite some time, not just this season. Uh, one and three, an 840 fucking ERA this year. Uh, the whip is 233. If the, and the strikeouts per nine is 4.8. If the Red Sox don't win that game, it's, I may cancel the season. I might. Um, we talked about him not being good for a while. A 528 ERA last year with a, with a one and a half whip. <clears throat> he has 11 walks this year, only eight strikeouts. He allowed 10. That was the game that we talked about on Baseball is Dead about uh, Tony La Russa just fucking leaving him out there to die. He gave up 10 runs, seven earned in one inning, one plus. Uh, <clears throat> his uh, his velo is down. It's like 80, 87 miles an hour with the sinker. Rich Hill's laughing at him. Yep. Opponents. His slider sucks. Guess guess what opponents are hitting against his slider this year? 333. Jake? 390. 545. <laughs> it's time to go home. Miraculously, he has won a game this year. The White Sox are 1-3 when he's pitched. Red Sox hitters hitting 292 against them. 814 OPS JD, three for 13 with a homer. Bogarts, three for 11 with a homer. Kike, one for three. That one is a homer. <laughs> and then obviously Dylan Cease. That's a guy that everyone's talking about as the, uh, not even like a dark horse. Um, I feel like if you're paying enough attention to Dylan Cease, you know that he's he's got nasty shit for, for the Cy Young Award this year. But three and one, 248 ERA, a whip under one, zero, nine, three. Strikeouts per nine, 12.1. He's pitched into the sixth inning in all five starts this year. He's allowed more than two earned runs once. Um, I'm ready to punt on that game. Yeah, strikeouts by game, 8-8-3-9-11. He's only allowed one homer this year. And the Red Sox, uh, I believe, have only hit one homer this year. And the White Sox have won four of the five games that he started. Oddly enough... The Red Sox is a team hitting 333 against Dylan Cease. Bogarts, three for three, couple walks. Kike, three for five, a double. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in that series. Uh yeah. It's some some random Red Sox stats just to, to throw it in there. They're they're three and six in one run games. The Red Sox have scored five runs in a game five times this year. They're one and four in those games. And I think just score four is back because when the Red Sox score exactly four runs, they're four and one. So just score four is the rally. Just score four is back. They're four and one when they score four. Uh, they stink when they score any more than that. And they stink when they score any less than that. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go two out of three. I mean, Nick Pavetta going against Keiko. That's kind of like a battle of who's going to suck more. <clears throat> um, but I think Pavetta has been a little bit better of late. So I'm going to go two out of three for the Red Sox in this series. Tyler. Uh, um, you know, I've been burnt and I've been hurt, but I don't, I'm not a quitter. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to take the L immediately. 
I, I think Dylan Cease is going to carve you. I, I know they have some history, but ever since he's kind of got his command down, he's turned into a completely different pitcher. Mm-hmm. I look at Nick Pavetta. I think him getting with pitch calm is a really big deal for him. And as the velocity's kind of ticked back, because when he works slow, oh my God, everything falls out of place. The mechanics become garbage. It's it's nothing you can hope for. I think we'll see the best Nick Pavetta we've seen so far. And if you ever needed a stopper, it's Nate Evaldi. It's tomorrow. I think this is the kind of series you lose two out of three again. You call uh, it? I, I'd be very close. I'd be standing on the uh, on the edge of the Empire State Building. I tried to think of a Boston building, but I don't have one tall enough. Mm. I'm trying to do the most damage I can here. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna do. I'll, I'll take two out of three. Am I Ooh. confident? No. But God, it can't get any worse. Please save us. Uh, we're going to get swept, and that leads me to uh, something that I've been seeing on Twitter, which is um, what people are requesting for a Suns Out, Guns Out episode. Ooh. <clears throat> um, it's a good question. Uh, hmm. I feel like we're getting there. I mean, Wednesday was bad. Wednesday was bad. Like, you fucking win that first game. You blow the second game, and then you get blown out. I mean, you still got blown out in the middle game, but just, you know, enough was enough. And then you get blown out in the finale, but it was Otani. Uh, Don't you feel like Wednesday, you know, four months from now, whenever this thing all wraps up, whatever way it goes, if they end up just being a team that misses the playoffs and it's a lost year, won't you look at Wednesday night as like the night where things could have went one way or the other? Yeah. I feel like that was such a turning point. I feel like they win that game. There's a good chance they win today. And I think we're on a completely different train. New season started, new month. I don't know. I feel like that one's going to haunt them for a very long time because it felt like the biggest fear, what everyone always thought would end up derailing this team. It came through and it came through in the ugliest way possible. When you needed a win, bad. You needed two wins in a row, bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cause even even like, you know, it would still suck. It would still suck coming into the podcast recording having lost seven to nothing, but at least you could say, Yeah, Shohei Otani happened. Like what the fuck are you gonna do? We would have uh, won a series. We might have been popping bottles. Right. You still win the series. You win a you win a presumably a one run game. And then you run into Shohei and it's no harm, no foul. But instead you blow it in the fucking ninth, and then you get throttled uh, in the finale to to lose a series. So I'm not ready to call it. <clears throat> I don't think the season's over just yet. I think uh, you know water does find its level. I don't think the Red Sox are as bad as they played, and I don't think that the the Yankees are as good as they played. You know, I think I think at the very least you can get into the mix. I'm not going to sit here and promise uh, a playoff spot for this Boston Red Sox team. Do I, do I feel super confident in saying, yeah, the Red Sox are going to get hot. They're going to go on a run and everyone else is going to come back down to earth and you're going to be able to blow past everyone and win a wild card or, or the division? No. Do I think that it's possible to still play somewhat meaningful games in September? Yes. Do I think that they'll be in the hunt? Yes. Like it's possible. So that's why I can't totally... Just say, damn, you know, that dude that blows up my DMs with all the horrible, mean statistics uh, that they 
Statistically, the odds are against them making the playoffs. Okay. Can they still make the season interesting? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that that's possible. So we're going to find out. We're going to keep riding the wave. There's examples. Kicking us in the fucking dick. Yeah, I'm dickless at this point. But you, you look at the Braves. Look at the Braves last year. You know, look at the Nationals in 2019. There's ways out of it. Is it super rare? Yes. Is it even harder when you play in the AL East? Yes. Especially when every team has walked off against you. There are reinforcements coming. You, you just got to tread water. And that's the one thing. Ultimately, Heimblum put Band-Aids on this roster, hoping it'd get you to June or July. Your cuts are infected. Mm. We're, we're seriously infected. Mm. Okay. Can you make it? <clears throat> that's the question. Jake, any... Uh... <clears throat> Any final thoughts? We just got to win some games, man. Got to win some fucking games. Got to win some fucking games. And uh, I, I, you know what? Seems like uh, even though they've won three straight, I feel like this is a this is a beatable team coming in. This is a beatable team that's coming to your doorstep. And uh, let's see. Let's see what the Red Sox can do. All right, uh, we'll be back together on Sunday to drop late Sunday night, maybe Monday morning. We'll see. Uh, enjoy. Try to try to try to enjoy your weekend of baseball. I mean, if you're going to the games this weekend, look out for Jake. Um, we don't have merch yet, but when we do get merch, uh, a free T-shirt to whoever is Jake's first picture request. I don't know what the merch is going to look like, uh, but when we do get it. Free T-shirt to whoever asked Jake for his first ever picture request. All right, we'll see you. See you. See you Monday. Buenas noches, amigos.